to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. So let's look at today's topic. Now, on Wednesdays, what topic have I been dealing with? I've been dealing with the issue of repentance and we've been answering a question which is what's the question? Yeah, can a person really change, right? Can repentance really happen? And today I'm going to be sharing something that's very dear to my heart. One of those topics where I didn't have to write any notes. I'll just talk. I want to share about the fear of the Lord, but my focus is our interaction as believers with the spirit of the fear of the Lord. How many of you have heard our teaching on the seven spirits of God. Okay. If you've not heard the teaching on the seven spirits of God, it's is it on the podcast? No. No, I don't think so because we did we did a Holy Ghost week or something. But allow me just to share. So the seven spirits of God, when you come across that, does not mean that there are seven Holy Spirits. It just simply talks about seven, we can say dimensions of the Holy Spirit, of his personality, of who he is. I'll give you this example. Um, And I'll use myself as an example. Majority of people know me as a pastor, right? Then there are other people who also know me as not just a pastor of COL, but a conference host. So when they're saying, I want to be a man like a man of God like you, what they mean is, I want to hold conferences like you. <laughs> then somebody here may not even know we've held a conference. How many of you here know we hold conferences? Like, okay, is there anyone here who's, who's never heard of any of our conferences? Dominion, Wem, raise your hand. You see? So that person has no idea about that dimension. So they could need help with how to host a conference, but because they don't know, that we know this thing, they will not ask us. Then, how many of you know I am into education a lot? 
So I've studied one or two things, right? Just one or two simple things. So that means, um, and I'm not saying you should start sending me your assignments. <laughs> <laughs> but if a person knows that side, they may be able to ask me for help in that area, which otherwise they wouldn't have asked if they didn't know that, oh, he's got a master's in development studies. So every now and then I do get requests. Oh, could you, could you look at this? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And then there are several other areas. The other day I was on a course. Somebody wanted to talk to me about they're running, they're running something to do with publishing. And they were facing kind of like an ethical challenge. So they called because they wanted to find out how I dealt with that ethical challenge. Now, why could they come in that dimension? Because they knew that we run a publishing firm. What am I trying to say? The amount of substance you can get from a person is determined by how much you know them and what dimensions you know them in. So even with the Holy Spirit, there are some people who just know him as the one who makes them fall down. And that's it. So because of that, there is a depth they can't get to in their relationship with him. Because as far as they're concerned, the Holy Spirit is the one who makes us fall down. And that's it. So when we talk about the sevenfold Holy Spirit, we're looking at seven different facets of his personality. And let's look at Isaiah. It's Isaiah what? Seven spirits of God, guys. Isaiah what? Isaiah 11. Wonderful. <laughs> Let's look at it. Isaiah 11. NSCM. Some of these topics that I'm doing, especially on repentance, you work in collaboration with media. You may want to have a specific folder for this one because we get a lot of cases where people need this help. Some people may need to just go through this as a course. Okay? And, and I think it may be useful for various other ministries as well. So let's go. Isaiah 11. There shall come, the people that side today, apparently you have to use your Bibles. It's a test. Want to know those who come with Bibles. <laughs> Maybe one of the weeks will test the people this side. So there shall come forth a road from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall go out of his roots. Let's go on. Mwaliwama vayawe. Those on the podcast will never understand. <laughs> so those on the podcast, if you don't get it, forget it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's go. The spirit. <laughs> okay, so the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So we are counting. The spirit of the Lord. That's number one. Then next, spirit of wisdom. Next, understanding next counsel next might next finally fear of the lord now verse three is very interesting it says his delight now who's the he being spoken about here jesus his delight is in the fear of the lord and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes nor decide by the hearing of his ears now his delight is in the fear of the lord what does that mean 
It means, ladies and gentlemen, that the moment we remove this aspect out of Christianity, the aspect of the fear of the Lord, which brings about a reverential uh, relationship with God and is manifest in the way we live and is manifest in the way we honor him, the moment we remove that aspect, then, then, the, the, then we'll have challenges with our Christianity. What do I mean? By the spirit of might, you know, the spirit of might can be very helpful in spiritual warfare. By the spirit of might, one can cast out all the devils in the world. And then by the spirit of knowledge, one can know everything, for example. Perhaps by the spirit of counsel and understanding, be able to prophesy to everybody and have understanding of all wisdom. And yet, if they've not learned the spirit of the fear of the Lord, one day they might stand before him and say, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not heal the sick? Did we not do A, B, C, D? And you say, I didn't know you. You're workers of iniquity. Why? No fear of the Lord. So this one is a very key one. There is a reason why that is where his delight is in. Because without the spirit of the fear of the Lord, everything else we do can end up being in vain. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to understand these things. We have to understand these things. Now, like I said, today I'll focus more on the spirit of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord must be understood in two dimensions. You are the first that are going to hear this teaching. Because usually when I've taught the fear of the Lord, I've taught one dimension. Today we'll add another dimension. The fear of the Lord must be understood in two dimensions. The first dimension is this level of respect and honor because you love someone. Then the other dimension is because you fear him. <laughs> We're getting somewhere. Don't worry about it. I'm going to use sports for a second. Let's use, for the sake of no bias, let's use any three major sports. So you guys will pick. The first sport? Okay, football has been mentioned. The second one? Not badminton, guys. Come on. Okay, we can use Formula One as the second one. Badminton. <laughs> Who plays badminton? <laughs> The third sport? Come on. Does anyone here know any baseball player? Let's be honest. We'll use basketball. <laughs> now, let's use these three. 
and I want you to picture it. Now, if, if maybe you're not familiar, at least with these three sports, everyone here should be familiar with at least one big personality in that sport. If you're not familiar, then think of a sport in your head. Maybe think of when you were playing game as a kid or when you were playing Waida, even Chiato. So let's, do some of you know what Chiato is? Okay. <laughs> okay. And why were we calling game game? Who came up with that name? <laughs> you can find. <laughs> like seriously, who came up with the name game for a game? Okay. Now, let's use. Let's use football. We'll start with football. Now, to avoid unnecessary debate. I think in their prime, the best two football players arguably have probably been Messi and Ronaldo, right? We're avoiding unnecessary debate. I think probably before them in their prime, I think it was Pele and Maradona, right? But everyone here has heard of Messi and Ronaldo, right? Now, in their prime, what it means is if you're on the same team as one of them, you'd be excited. You'd honor the fact that they're on your team because of what they're able to produce. And then, you wouldn't want to hear that they are injured. You wouldn't want to hear that they're not able to play. In short, you love having them on your team. So, in that aspect, what it means is that you honor and respect them so much that you don't want to be without them. Meaning, if they were in Zambia, then you would come up with a song for them saying, Gatalipo. <laughs> because as far as you're concerned, when this guy is here, nothing can happen. Because that's the one. Okay? On the other hand, you don't want to play them if they were on the opposition. You wouldn't want them on the opposition. Most of the football debates and rival fans, the reason why they hate the other guy is because of the damage he did to them while they were in opposition. Everything in you would want them injured if they're on the other team. I don't know where your Christianity goes. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, in their prime, you didn't necessarily want to line up your team against a Messi or a Ronaldo. Because you knew the kind of hurt they could do to your team. Now, that's another dimension of fear where you don't want to be on the opposite side because you are aware of the qualities that they have. Copy and paste the same example with, with basketball. What are you going to talk about? Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal? Okay, guys, I don't watch basketball, but I've heard of Michael Jordan, and I think there's Shaquille O'Neal. Is he good? I hope he's good. Okay. <laughs> Copy and paste the same example. Which other sport was mentioned? Formula One. Formula One. Who? That guy who they stole the race from. The guy who was supposed to win. Lewis Hamilton. Before him, who was the major guy? Schumacher, right? If, they, if it's tennis, I don't know who the major people are. But back in the day, it used to be Pete Sampras, right? Okay. 
<laughs> Let's continue. Now, I want you to use that as an example in your head, and then now think about it. The fear of the Lord means that on one hand, you love having God on your team so much that you do anything to honor and keep him there. On the other hand, you would dread being on the other side of judgment. You would dread being in the opposition. That's how the fear of the Lord works. And it's healthy to know both dimensions. It's healthy to know that the loving father is also the righteous judge. Of to whom men will give their account. And when you read Proverbs 9.10, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When a person comes to that place where they understand those two aspects, there will be a wisdom in the way they live their life. There is a, a level of wisdom they will access that may not be common to other people. Because they've understood that. Somebody say the fear of the Lord. So can we go to one or two scriptures? Now, somebody may ask, where does the Holy Spirit come in? We'll get to that. But let's look at Luke chapter. Let's look at Luke. Let's look at chapter 12. Hallelujah. And let's look at verse 4 to 7. Now, with what I've told you, just for purposes of ensuring everyone has understood, I mentioned two dimensions. The first one is where you're afraid to be without him, right? Because you love him, you honor him, you respect him. And the second one is where you don't want to be in the opposition party because you know the damage you can do. Have we understood that? Now, I want us to look at this portion of scripture. And as we are looking at it, identify the two dimensions I've spoken of. And when you find it, you say, aha, for the first one. And then for the second one, you say, hey, hey. <laughs> Let's go. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you who you should fear. For fear him who after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. I think you've forgotten which one is the first one and which one is the second one. Okay, this one is? Hey. <laughs> Next verse. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? Now, for those who don't know what a sparrow is, it's just a bird, please. So what he's saying is like, look, five sparrows are sold for two copper coins. Because you know, sometimes people can begin to exaggerate what they think a sparrow is. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. In short, God knows all the birds in the world. Even that chicken you are eating the other day. <laughs> God has an idea which one. <laughs> Let's go on. But the very hairs of your head 
are all numbered. For some people, this is harder than others. Others, it's not much <laughs> of a challenge. <laughs> so the very numbers, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than sparrows. Which one is that? <laughs> Notice, he starts by telling you, hey, you gotta be scared of this guy. As in, he can like beat you up home and away, like in the flesh, and then follow you in the spirit. And then afterwards he tells you, he still counts the number of hairs of your head. So do not fear, therefore. It's important to know both the lion and the lamb. It's very important. But remember that the lion is still the lamb. <laughs> and the lamb is still the lion. I don't know if somebody is getting me. It's very necessary. Have you noticed that even in terms of your growing up at home, there are probably two sides of parenting that you knew. <laughs> there is probably the side for, there is a side for that's my daddy, he provides and, and the like. But I don't know who's ever experienced the other dimension <laughs> of parenting. The, the second dimension. <laughs> Where you know that, okay, the time is this. Dad gets home <laughs> at this time. <laughs> If I don't find myself in the house by this time, then there'll be an interaction between a certain part of my body and the stick or the belt. So my plan now is this. And for some reason, parents had a crazy discernment. There was a time when my dad banned us from playing in a certain park in the road because I think they had found a dead body there. Now, I reasoned to myself that the person was probably just dumb there, but they were okay. And there was this guy who, I think the park owners to encourage more kids to be going there, like even introduce like football, like where they, you come as a team, they give you a ball and the like. And we decided to go play. I calculated, my dad only used to come home at lunch occasionally. But ideally, I knew what time he would come home. So we calculated, went there to play around 9, 10, we won. I'm just walking out of the gate of the park, his car. Like, no sooner had I put my foot out than his car was exactly in the road and I was right there. <laughs> I just said, hey. I said, hey. So what I'm trying to say is that even with parenting, there's more than one dimension. Now, where does the Holy Spirit come in? The Holy Spirit is the conveyor of the presence of God. That's his role. You'll notice that the Father is the operator, the Son is the administrator, and the Holy Spirit is the one who manifests. He's the one who conveys the presence of God. He's the one who conveys the presence of God. So you, you can sense, you can be aware of the presence of God because the Holy Spirit is with you. That's why you find for you to walk in the might of God, it's the Holy Spirit. For you to walk in the counsel of God, it's the Holy Spirit. For you to walk in the wisdom of God, it's the Holy Spirit because he conveys God to you. He's the one who reveals God to us. That's his role. He manifests. Praise God. 
Now, because of that, your relationship with him becomes very, very important. Might I... Do I ever stand this side when preaching? You guys have been believing God for me to be making more trips this side, right? For your sake, I'll make more trips. Now, might I suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, that perhaps the most important relationship that will be looked at when it comes to the final day of salvation is your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Have you read how Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit? Do you know how sensitive God is over the Holy Spirit? He says, you know what? Blaspheme Jehovah. Blaspheme the Lord Jesus. But this one, there will be challenges. Now, just in case any of you think you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit, if you're seated in this meeting, you're probably not. Remind me one of these days, I'll explain what, 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 what that is. There was a context, okay? The context was very clear. The Pharisees, even in their private discussions, knew that that was the Holy Spirit doing those works. They knew this was the Holy Spirit. And then they began to tell everybody that it's not the Holy Spirit, but it's his casting out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. And then Jesus reacted and said, look, you, you can blaspheme anyone, but you don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. You don't call the Holy Spirit the devil. And yet they knew. It's not like they didn't know. They were not in ignorance. They knew that this was God. In their private discussions, didn't they even say, this, this is God? And yet they called God Satan. So it says, um, what scripture did I give you? I haven't given you any yet, right? I was telling you about the Holy Spirit. When you read Ephesians 4.30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you've been sealed for the day of redemption. So your day of redemption, notice who you've been sealed with. It's the Holy Spirit. So you're going to have to be careful or should I say deliberate about how you relate with the Holy Spirit? It, for those who are asking for the scripture I gave you, it was Ephesians 4.30. As a matter of fact, might I suggest to you that habitual sinning is a sign that there is something wrong with your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Might I make another suggestion that to walk uprightly, you must have a good relationship with the Holy Spirit. And may I even go further in this suggestion that if you walk in the Spirit, and perhaps at this point it ceases to be a suggestion because I'm now quoting scripture, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It doesn't say you might not. It doesn't say there is a chance it will reduce by 50%. Then say reduce by 75%. It says walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You'll find that in Galatians chapter number 5. And verse, is it 16? This I need to show you. I can show you this. Eh? Look at this. I say then, walk in the spirit. Maybe let's read it together. I just want to show you something. You know there's a difference between living in the spirit and walking in the spirit. 
Are you aware that there's a difference? Okay, the ones who said yes, explain to your neighbor. <laughs> okay, let, let, let's look at it. So there's a difference between living in the spirit and walking in the spirit. Let me just show you. By the way, it's not even complicated. As you read it, you'll be able to see it. Can we go? So, when you see it, say, aha. Uh -huh. You'll find it in the verse 20 somewhere there. Let's look. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh-huh. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, not rudeness, <laughs> idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Do, where do we teach this? Is it in salvation course or in foundation class? Salvation course, we defined all of them. But I think even in establishment class, right? There should be something in establishment class. So when you hear establishment class, you should go for it. We, we, we dissect everything. Envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries. I'm asked a lot about the drunkenness one. The question I usually get is, so is it wrong to drink, considering that the Bible says drunkenness? So I usually reply, how do you get drunk? Say, by drinking. I say, okay, fine. And then you know what my next question becomes. At which level will you know about that? Okay, up, I take a line. This is the line I've reached. I'm now crossing into drunkenness. <laughs> I'm right at the border. Unfortunately, most things are progressive. There will be that day. <laughs> may not be every day, but there will be that Saturday where it just goes wild. And you say, I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> Rivalries. And the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, it seems today is a day of me saying things. Eh? I've, I've been asked before, Pastor, can a person lose their salvation? And especially in this period where people are teaching a lot on grace, right? And I've sat down and I've heard, this is like me hearing, not a rumor. I've heard teachings. That no matter what you do, as long as you responded to the article one day, you can't lose your salvation. You probably just go to, you probably just die quicker and stuff like that. Now, let me just categorically state that I disagree with that view. And where the challenge comes in in understanding salvation is that most people ask the wrong question. Can a person lose their salvation is a wrong question in the first place. It may not necessarily be about losing what you have, but it may be about not gaining what's to come. Observe the context. Look at the verse before. I warn you. Who was he warning? Christians. Was he warning worldly people? Who was he warning? Christians. I warn you, just as I told you before in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a kingdom still to come. There's still something to come. There's still a salvation to experience. I can, I can show you scripture after scripture. No, the wrath of God finished. Have you ever read Colossians 3? 
Let me just show you, then we come back. Look at Colossians 3, verse 5. Give me from the Amplified. I like how it puts it. It says, therefore, kill, deaden, deprive of power. I've already amplified it, right? The evil desire lurking in your members, those animal impulses, and all that is earthly in you, that is employed in sin. And it, it describes them again. Sexual vice, impurity, sensual appetites, unholy desires, and all greed and covetousness, for that is idolatry. Next verse. It is on account of these very sins that the holy anger of God is ever coming upon the sons of disobedience. That's future tense. Even the scripture we read in Ephesians 4.30. For with him you've been sealed for the day of redemption. What am I trying to say? I think it's the wrong question to ask if you can lose your salvation. I think the right question is, can you disqualify yourself from inheriting what's to come, from inheriting what's yours? And you apply it to every field in life. You can disqualify yourself from what's yours. And, you know, I would rather be on the other side of things. I would rather be on this side of belief because I think it guarantees heaven than play around on the other side. Then you get shocked. I'll do a write-up on it. Where were we? Galatians 5. So it says, I warn you as I did before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is... Uh-huh. 22, please. And <laughs> Guys, I'm going to give a test. List the nine fruit of the Spirit. Okay, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Hey, you know one of my favorite is oh, gentleness, uh -huh, self-control. Against such there is no law. One of my favorite is goodness, right? Eh? Why are you good for no reason? You're good and no one owes you for your goodness. You do a good thing for a person, not because you're expecting anything. We need a little bit more of that. Yes, we thank God for all these things, networking, this, 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 this. But sometimes just do something because you're just good. Eh? Against such there is no law. Next verse. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Uh-huh. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Has anyone seen that? Just from that verse, can you tell the difference between living in the spirit and walking in the spirit? Contextually, can you tell? Okay, let's look at it again. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Next verse. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Notice that it's referring to actions. In short, by virtue of being born again, all Christians live in the Spirit. Then by virtue of your cooperation with the Spirit of God, then you are walking in the Spirit. So walking in the Spirit is very... Um, Give me Galatians 5.16 from the Amplified. 
It's, very, it's a very deliberate move. You cooperate with what the Spirit of God is trying to achieve in your life. And remember, the Spirit of God is a perfect gentleman. He doesn't force. So that's why you can, be, you can find that we have believers who are as born again as everybody else. Look at it from the Amplified. But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. So you see that there is a cooperation with the Spirit of God. Now let me bring this home. The connection between the fear of the Lord and the Holy Spirit, apart from the fact that he's the one who conveys the spirit of the fear of the Lord, is that he's the one God left with us. The spirit of God is here on earth. He's the one God left with us. And because of that, there is something about being aware of him that will cause you to walk in the right path. Let me give you two or three examples. I noticed there's, <laughs> have you ever met that person who used to, okay, hey, hey, whoever went to school on report card day? Whoever went to school on report card day? That guy who feels himself and is the one, have you ever seen how he walks on report card day and he's with his parents? Especially if they've just been told something very negative. I hope you're not that guy. Especially if the parents have just been told, this child of yours, Hey, oh, that's the dead teachers now. Come out. You realize, hey, gosh, this teacher didn't like me. I did tumpo you. Hey, the other day he said this. Like the kid tries to explain, no, daddy, wait, you guys have never seen drama on report card day. Or have you, or maybe you are the recipient of the card drama. But <laughs> if so, God bless you. May you heal. But <laughs> may you heal inside. And you find. I remember situations where here is a guy. This guy uses all sorts of language like uh, you would need a sensor every time he's speaking because of the amount of vulgar words that come out of his mouth. His parents are around. How his language changes? How come his language changes when his parents are around? He's aware of them. And he, he respects them. Here is a guy who every time he's there are those friends who would even refuse you to greet them when they're with their parents. Because they're with my parents. <laughs> they're embarrassed of you. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Because they are aware of the presence of somebody they honor and respect, their behavior changes. There's a chapter in the book, Friend from Another Dimension, The Holy Spirit on You, which says his eyes are on the righteous, Literally. One thing about the Holy Spirit is that he doesn't leave you alone. It's just you who, who might just decide to lose sensitivity. An experiment was done in a certain place where people used to litter a lot. And then they put posters of like faces, like people with eyes looking. And people reduced the amount of time they were lit. They reduced in littering. Why? Because they're I'm being watched. I don't know if you're getting my point. For some reason, if like... The yawning that we do at home and the one that we do at church is very different. <laughs> you find when a person is on their own, oh my goodness, they just go for it. Yeah. But then when they're in the presence of people, somehow to be like a cute yawn. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm tired. 
<laughs> Why? Because there is something about being aware of a person that automatically modifies your behavior. I don't know if somebody is getting what I'm saying. I once, um, you know what being aware of a person can do? Some people even change their accents when they receive a call. They're just aware that another person is on the line. Or have you ever gone for a corporate event? Have you ever heard the English that, that comes out at a corporate event? Somehow you'd think, did they all go to international school? <laughs> Hear the same, especially the women. Hear the same woman when she's shouting at her child. <laughs> no, guys, who's ever, who's ever gone for a corporate event? And you even know that this woman, she's even told you a story. She grew up in the village. But somehow the way she's talking, so you see. You know, I, I grew up in the village, and you're like, this accent is not from the village. <laughs> Hear them at home. There's a change. Now, what would happen if we stopped, and I'm speaking figuratively, what would happen if we stopped leaving the Holy Spirit at church? <laughs> what would happen to us if we actually stopped leaving him at church and started going with him everywhere? What would happen to our mindsets? What would happen to how we live? Are you aware that just awareness, before we even get to anything else, even before we get to his power, just the awareness that is always with you can modify your behavior? Why do you think when, uh, and it used to be very common in Zambia, I don't know if it's still common now, but do you remember that there was a period in Zambia when, as you are walking by every gate, you'd see like this huge photo of a dog, and it says, beware of the dogs. <laughs> How many of you remember that? And now it has modified. If people have engaged a security company, they put the poster of the security company. Why do you think they do that? I mean, if there's a dog, why not just, some people I think would even put, beware of the dog when there's no dog. <laughs> or should I say the dog inside and the dog on the photo? <laughs> Discrepancy. But the reason is they are trying to warn that just by virtue of you being aware that oh, there's a dog there, you might be a bit mindful of how you do your actions. There's a reason why you find as you're going to an ATM, it's been written warning. There are CCTV cameras, CCTV cameras everywhere. Why? Because the aim, ideally, is not to catch people. First, is to warn people. That way, they will reduce the number of people to catch. So even just by virtue of being aware that the presence of the Spirit of God is always with you, that he's with you when you're texting, he reads the messages, <laughs> word by word. <laughs> he reads the emojis. No, I... I think we might want to be aware that the Spirit of God reads our messages. Both inbox and outbox. <laughs> DM and BM. I once asked somebody saying, if you heard that for the next three weeks, uh, there'll be cameras and we will be watching you. Mm, you said, hey, I'll change my behavior. I said, if only you could respect God the way you respect me. Because he's always with you. 
He's always with you. And that was the challenge that Peter had with Ananias and Sapphira. They thought the Holy Spirit wasn't there when they were discussing. Do you know that the challenge he had there is that he was thinking, how do you not fear the Holy Spirit? No, let me show you. Look at Acts 5. So I be careful who you marry. There the wife shouldn't have been submissive. Maybe I've made a controversial statement. Because they were judged separately. <laughs> okay, no, let me know. No, it's okay. I'll, I'll leave it. Maybe I've made a very hard statement. It's like the day when I taught on the family. I said, the Bible says, children obey your parents. And interestingly, it says in the Lord. Now, I'm not suggesting that you only obey those who are born again. But I'm suggesting that if something is contrary to the faith, you may have to honorably. Let me not say much. Those are topics people don't like me delving into. <laughs> Acts 5, verse 2. Okay, from verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, saw the possession. Uh -huh. Let's go. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it. And brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So please, wives and future wives, sometimes malanda ko awe. This one, no. Advise them better. But Peter said, Ananias, follow the words. Why has Satan filled your heart? That's why the heart has to be checked. Ananias was a Christian. He was born again. But Satan had possessed his heart. He was born again. It says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to who? The Holy Spirit. He didn't say you've lied to me. He said you've lied to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. Next verse. What it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Uh, Sunday, there is something I'll be dealing with. I can tell you in advance, right? Part of something I'll be dealing with is where we'll answer the question where, whether is it a demon or is it you? <laughs> <laughs> that way we'll know if you ever say, I don't know, the devil. And we'll see how far that will get you. Notice, initially it says, why has Satan filled your heart? Why did he question Ananias? Why didn't he question Satan? Why didn't he say, Satan, why have you filled Ananias' heart? <laughs> and the next question is, who was judged? Anyways, we'll talk on Sunday. So, well, it remained. Was it not your own? After it was sought, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. He didn't at that point, he was not reverencing the Holy Spirit as God. Praise God. So there is something about being aware that the Holy Spirit is always with you. He doesn't leave nor forsake you. He doesn't go. He's always there. Trust me, I know. There is no five minutes break. He's always there.
just the awareness of his presence. And you know, many of us when we come to church are very aware of his presence. That's why we cry, we lift our hands. That's why we don't do what we do everywhere else. But if we could be as aware that our bodies are the temple of the Spirit of God. Can I perhaps show you just one last verse? We're done for today. I just want us to see this. 1 Corinthians 6. The fear of the Lord, it all comes back to the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 13. Paul was addressing the issue of sexual morality in the Corinthian church. And if you study the Corinthian church, the place that they were in, there was a lot of idolatry. So in the Corinthian area, there were what were called temple prostitutes. So there were what were called temple prostitutes. And people would um, go there and an act of worship was servicing a prostitute. So that was, an, that was considered an act of worship. I hope that makes you understand why he kept using certain phrases. So that's how the city of Corinth was. And in addition, the church in Corinth had experienced, uh, it, it had experienced very high levels of the gifts of the Spirit, but also experienced very high levels of immorality. So I think there was a man who, I think he's, he's the mother to his brother or something like that. And such that Paul said, that one, hand over to Satan. <laughs> then he was forgiven in Second Corinthians. Now, look at it. Food's for the stomach and the stomach for food. So in case you see me eating, it's because food is for the stomach. But God will destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Everybody say, my body is for the Lord. Say, so it's yielded to the Lord. And God both raised up the Lord and will raise up us up by his power. Next verse. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Now, a harlot simply means a prostitute. Now, just a bit of context there. When he says, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? What, what it's saying is, <laughs> by virtue of who we are now, we now represent God. And by virtue of your position, everything you do now represents someone of that caliber. If one of the honorables we have went into what's like the downsize of a bar, a shabin, maybe? I don't know. Do, do, are those still there? And is carelessly drunk with no shirt and he got into a fight. The headlines will not call him in his own name. They will, they will find a part to say government official caught fighting in a shabin. Why? Because the moment he became part of government, he was no longer only representing himself, even by his works outside government. They now represent the entire government. 
And that's why you must be very careful. Because it means if any of you right now is to go clubbing, then in the spiritual realm, it's righteousness of God goes to Benna boys, uh, whatever. When interviewed, they said they just wanted to dance. Righteousness of God. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. Let's finish this. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. It doesn't say speak in tongues. It says flee. This one, it says run away. Because, can I tell you why? Because this one doesn't happen by the roadside. It has to have an environment. You have to flee. Run away from the environment in the first place. Every sin that a man does is outside his body, but he who commits sexual morality sins against his own body. So that foolish excuse of hey, all sins are the same, me, I'm doing this, other people are doing that. That's not what the Bible says. Or do you not know? Now, follow this. This is the last verse. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? Why have I shared this portion of scripture? I'm not doing a detailed explanation on sexual morality. But what I'm trying to show is this. Sexual morality, which scripturally seems to be at a higher dimension than others because a person is not just sinning against God but their own body is used here. And then he tells them to flee. So you may be listening to me and perhaps you have gone wrong. You still have an opportunity to make amends and do things better. But then it's interesting that he doesn't end by telling them the 300 reasons, telling them about soul ties, telling them about all those things, which I'm not saying are not there. He didn't end by telling them about sexually transmitted demons, which I'm not saying are not there. The majority of demons have cast out, have come through that. The interesting thing is he ends by calling them to a higher life. And the call to the higher life comes when they are aware that their body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why he, if you read from the King James, just give me the King James quickly. It says, what? Look at it. Quick, 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 quick. And then when you see it, read it with me. Everybody, one, two, three, go. What? what? It's like, what? Know ye not? So are you seeing yet again a comparison between your relationship with the Holy Spirit and how you live? It's like, it seems these guys are not aware who they have inside of them and what they have become by virtue of having him. So he says, don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you? Which you have of God. You're not your own. Lift your hands. And let's make a prayer very quickly. Now, as you are praying, if there are areas you've had challenges in, it's okay. You can ask God for mercy. You can ask him to forgive you. And also ask him for higher levels of grace in those areas. But make a decision, make a commitment that you're going to live a life of walking in the spirit. And if there are areas, like I said, where you've had challenges, 
Don't make excuses for them. Instead, seek God's help in those areas. Some might hear God telling them, okay, you need a counseling session or you need some accountability or you need this and that. Make time. We're ready to help you. But just don't make excuses. It never helps. Remember that the Spirit of God loves you. He's on your side. He's not like just wanting to point out a wrong, 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 wrong. No. No. But he loves you. He's on your side. Together with the Holy Spirit, you can make strategic plans because he's the one who's able to keep you from falling. And now make this your prayer. That let us become more aware of his presence. Let us become more aware of his presence. Father, I pray, may we become more aware of your presence dwelling in us. In Jesus' name. More aware. More aware. May we come to an awareness that our bodies are your temple. May we come to an awareness that we are your sanctuary. May we come to an awareness that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes. Let us become more aware of your presence. Just two minutes. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. There is nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're Spirit, you are welcome. Oh. 
or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church.